Hey, it is L.A. Lloyd, and a big thanks to Dave Mustaine for joining us today on The Rock 30 for his second time. It's uh, it's great to see you today, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I wanted to jump right into uh, the new album, The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. And uh, this one's coming out uh, just a few days on September 2nd. Now, obviously, you know, there's been a few years since Dystopia between this one. Uh, kind of give me a little timeline on when these songs were written. Were they, you know, picking up? pre-COVID or when everyone was in lockdown or just more recently or just kind of a culmination of all the above? Uh, all the above. So as far as the new single, was that, um, you know, was that more recently or? First off, thank you for having me on the show. And hi, Ava. Um, uh, so was one of those songs that uh, when we were writing a record, there, there really isn't a timeline for anything. It's done when it's done. I might have a song that feels like it's done, but when uh, I'm listening back to it, I might say, you know what, that riff needs one more chunk in there, right. <laughs> in a part, make it, of course, chunky sounding. So, um, you know, the songs really never are done until they're done. The lyric is a whole different subject because I am a stickler for grammar. And a lot of times I'll go back and look at my lyrics and think, God, what are you, a fourth grader? You know, <laughs> because some of the grammar and uh, the punctuation and stuff will be off. Uh, but it helps me a lot to go back and, and look at what I've written and, and learn from that because uh, I, I I sometimes will sing the song in a character because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, sometimes so many of the songs are about relationships. So a lot of times if I'm singing it, I can be me or the, you know, it's whatever. It's pretty interesting you mentioned, you know, uh, being grammatically correct, because sometimes in a cadence, uh, perfect grammar might not kind of roll with the song. I mean, do you ever find yourself dealing with that, going like, well, I know this is grammatically correct, but it's just not flowing with where I'm trying to go with the lyrics? No, not I don't at all. care about that. <laughs> it's got to be grammatically correct. Huh? Well, you know, I, I the thing for me is if, if I'm trying to write a lyric, I've got a pretty good grasp of the King's English. So if I have a word that I want to um, use, if it doesn't fit, I um, am pretty safe at saying I know a synonym for, you know, the word in question. Yeah. And the reason I kind of bring that up is because one that just popped in my mind and is <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers' new song is called Tip of My Tongue, T-I-P-P-A. So... I guess we'll never hear a tippa in a in a Megadeth song, right? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, one thing I'm very excited about, uh, you're going to be doing a show here in Austin on Thursday, and something that I have not been to in God knows how long is a is a record release uh, at a at a record store. Many reasons yeah. for that. There's no record stores left. Uh, you are doing it. One of my favorite record stores in the country is Waterloo Records. So. Um, 11.30 p.m., man, you know, it's it's going to be um, something special for those of us in Austin. I mean, is this something they approached you about, or you were just like, I want to do a, a record release, if, and there's a city that actually has a record store? It's interesting, the strategy that's gone behind the release of this record. We've really tried to um, support all of the old-school supporters that have um, been there for Megadeth and, and rock and hard music uh, you know, it's it's really easy to say that the only people who really support heavy metal are, are 
thrash and speed metal are the mom and pop brick and mortar uh, stores. So it was really a no brainer to, to want to go into an in-store or a record release um, signing party, whatever you want to call it at uh, Waterloo. But uh, in the same token, we also have some um, times in the the future coming up where I'm going to be dropping by some of the, uh, the branches that are uh, some of the, the bigger outlets for us and and saying hello and thank you to these places for carrying Megadeth because a lot of the branches, they look at the name Megadeth and they shy away from it. They just think, you know, this is not something we want to even uh, look at and we don't even want to sniff it. You right. know? So it passed a sniff test and that really sucks. But once, you know, you start breaking down those doors, we've broken down doors for decades. And I think because we've been around for so long, a lot of people forget about what it was like when we started. It was really difficult for, for people to get a, a chance to sit down and talk on the air like we're doing now. Mm-hmm. It was difficult to get a, a, a record store to carry your records, let right. alone have a release party. Well, one that comes to mind uh, who is definitely getting back into the at least vinyl game and, and even CD releases and album releases is Walmart. And again, you know, some of the history with Walmart, if there was something metal or a little bit uh, scary, if you will, they were wouldn't want to put it on their shelves. I mean, what's, what's the Megadeth relationship with Walmart, I guess, in the current incarnation of the, the music industry? Well, the relationship with Walmart uh, actually is one of those uh, relationships I was mentioning uh, just a little bit ago. Um, and us having the relationship with a uh, large uh, outlet that will help us get our records out to the masses. You know, we want to go stop by and say thank you to the people that uh, were responsible for putting it in the stores at an affordable price for people. Uh, also, we we uh, because we were going to these uh, corporate superstores, um, we know that that could be misconstrued as a support for the uh, corporate stores and not for the mom and pop stores, uh, which we uh, couldn't be further from the truth. We we um, love going and showing support for the, uh, the the shops that are um, having the uh, rare vinyl like you talk about. Our new record is coming out not only in vinyl, but uh, uh, the regular release form, but uh, we're putting it out as a double vinyl release. Mm. There's supposed to be, uh, I think it's 180 gram uh, German vinyl per disc. It's a, a really uh, amazing pressing. And that also has some... Um, some uh, bonus tracks on it. Uh, let me see. One of them has "This Planet's on Fire," and the other one uh, it has a couple live tracks on it. If I'm not mistaken, you know things get moving so fast when people get excited about an album, and the world is excited uh, off their butts on this record. So there's, there's so many things right now that are happening, and and for me, I, I usually listen and make sure that it sounds good and and that it is in no way taking advantage of our fans and trying to resell something that we've had before. Uh, we we try and make sure that everything is you know legit and and that um, we were with uh, a record label and the. Uh, president of the label at that time wanted us to re-release a song under a different name that we'd already released once before and it caused huge problems between me and and this person and and uh you know i i i obviously forgave him i just hope that the fans could forgive me about that 
Absolutely. Last time we spoke, we were at a, a festival in San Antonio, and San Antonio, Texas has always been a great city for Megadeth from the beginning up to uh, the, the, the current incarnation. Uh, you and I spoke of Kiko's role in Megadeth a little bit, and you mentioned how uh, some previous guitarists wanted what you called to be the tip of the spear, which didn't always work in the dynamic of you know, what Megadeth was. Um, you know, in the present, does Kiko ever become the tip of the spear or is it always, you know, everyone just kind of knows their roles or you is has the dynamic changed over the last six years since we last spoke in that aspect? No, I still want Kiko to be, uh, you know, our franchise lead guitar player. I mean, everybody knows I'm a lead guitarist. Um, that was my job in Metallica. And, uh, you know, I, I think anybody that's a real fan of Metallica knows that Kirk copied my lead solos. So the whole foundation of what Metallica's first record is, was based on my playing. And um, so if I was going to, um, you know, tip my hat to somebody else, they'd have to be really good. So I, I think that Kiko is, is a really terrific player in the same manner that Marty Freeman was a fantastic player. You know, I've, I've been super, super blessed to have great players around me. And, you know, sometimes it, it's embarrassing for me to watch them play because my my little ear holes go, nope, not today. <laughs> You're not going to go in your hotel room and cry because these guys are so much better than you. <laughs> but, you know, I think I think about stuff and, and it's like, man, I, I am so confident in myself right now. And I, I am so stoked on my playing, how this record turned out, how the songs turned out, how my singing improved. You know, it was a time where I'm sure, you know, uh, just like everybody goes through periods of, of uh, a little bit of self-doubt and stuff. Um, I, I right now um, am, am so excited about this release. I can't wait. I'm sure if you asked me and I had long enough, I could probably tell you exactly how many minutes there are between this moment and when the record comes out. <laughs> That's great to hear your excitement. Well, um, one thing that uh, you and I have, have discussed is kind of this nonverbal communication between uh, you and, and the audience. And I was curious if the nonverbal communication or the energy you feel is better now post-COVID because maybe... Pre-COVID, uh, we kind of took live music for granted, and and maybe that could even come from things you don't have to say to the crowd or how they react. I mean, obviously they react to the songs, but just uh, just the total energy or the uh, the vibe of the the environment, if you will. It just seems like sometimes there's just a nonverbal communication between each of you two. Um, well, thank you for that. I uh, I'm going to have to let that percolate in the old head for right. a second. Uh, I know what you're saying. I think. To be able to have a nonverbal uh, communication with somebody, they have to almost know what you're going to say. They have to kind of anticipate what you're going to say. And in, in a manner of speaking, I don't want to ever be predictable. So I'm, I'm not sure um, how, how that sits in, in, in my head. Um, I would love to have the audience know what I'm thinking a lot of times, but I'm sure a lot of them would probably want to go see a priest right away <laughs> um, you know it's 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 really cool to be able to listen to the fans have their interpretation of the songs sometimes it's similar to what i was thinking when i wrote the song sometimes it's not and you know i got this weird kind of mentality that when you tell somebody what a song is about you kind of handcuff them mm -hmm. in 
imagination on what the song could be. Here's an example. We're doing a video for the new album. We have several songs that we're doing videos for. And I had a treatment for something and I told it to the video team. And I said, I think this is a really cool idea. Check this out. Blah, 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 blah. And they, they go, okay. And, uh, and I said, what was your idea? And they went, kaboom. And I just went, oh, my God. My idea was such chicken shit. And I, I said, please don't ever tell anybody I said that to you, okay? If you ever mention that. So like, we promised and swore never to bring up my idea again. Got to work on this new um, chapter of the new uh, audio book we're doing for um, the sick, the dying, and the dead. It's basically a two-part book with three chapters in each book, and and each chapter tells a little bit about how Vic was created, and and a little bit about the story about us, and and the development of our character, and and stuff like that. You know, we're we're hoping to make this go a little. We're hoping to have this go a little bit longer than just the six songs that that we uh, hired the producer and director to do. Um, you know, because I've got almost 200 songs I've written. So we, we could really do great with all these different songs and, and what they mean. Uh, it's just a matter of not being campy. You mentioned uh, some of the extras that's on the album, uh, and uh, one of those is with Sammy Hagar. I mean, I saw Sammy play at South by Southwest earlier this year. Just killed it, man, as always. So uh, that song that you uh, are covering with him was originally done back in 79. I was a senior in high school. I'm the same age as you are. But uh, tell me about working with Sammy uh, briefly on this song right here. Um, it was kind of funky how we met. Um, we were doing a festival. I said, I know somebody that cuts your hair. And he goes, oh, you know my wife, huh? And I went, uh, and I didn't know how to take that. And then when we were done talking, he said that, because I asked him if he knew the guy that had cut my hair because he said that he cut Sammy's hair. And he goes, I, I don't know who you're talking about. And I thought, what? A, I won't say it because your daughter's here. Um, <laughs> so I, I figured one day I'm just going to call up this guy's hair salon and, and leave a message and say, oh, by the way, I was up in San Jose or whatever. And I talked to blah, blah, blah. And uh, he said that you're his wife or something like that. Right. <laughs> All right. So, um I hadn't seen him for quite a while again, and and uh, I called him up, and, and we talked a little bit. And it was a fun conversation, and I said, I want to do This Planet's on Fire. And he goes, and he was all excited because the song was one of his favorites, but it didn't really get any traction anywhere. And I said, no way, Sammy. I said, I've been a Sammy Hagar fan forever. And I, I, I told him the songs that I liked. And he was pretty excited. And I said, and I want to do this plant on fire. So we sent the song to him and he goes, man, I'll sing on this bad boy, but I ain't touching you guitar shredders. And I, <laughs> well, that's a nice compliment. That is a hell of a compliment because I looked up to him so much. We played this planet's on fire in panic. The band I was in before Metallica. Oh my God. Yeah. So get that. I I'm, I'm playing a song to only one day have the singer in that band say you play the song better than I do. Wow. That's, that's great. Full circle, man. Well, Dave, thanks for being on here today for The Rock 30. I look forward to seeing the live show Thursday in Austin. And again, uh, we'll be there at 1130 for the uh, the record store release. Uh, be my daughter's first. She <laughs> loves the vinyl, man. So I'm, I'm sure she'll be taking home a copy that night. So thanks for being on the show today. You got it. You guys take care.